Good day, my friends. This is Under Review, the tennis podcast from an insider's perspective. I'm Craig Shapiro, and on the show, I talk with the most interesting voices in the sport. We have a great show for you today. The tennis world has congregated in the Coachella Valley, Indian Wells, California, to be exact. The BNP Paribas Open is about to begin, and we could not be happier about kicking off the tournament with today's guest. He grew up in Belgium and has distinguished himself as one of the most sought-after coaches on the WTA Tour, posting successful campaigns with Kim Kleisters, Victoria Azarenka, Simona Halep, and Angie Kerber, to name a few. And now, he is the coach of Naomi Osaka. Wim Fassett is going to tell us what it was like to be the third best player in Belgium as a junior. He's going to explain how he has effectively moved and grooved around and about the WTA coaching carousel. And he's going to describe how you can coach a player to a Wimbledon championship and then be gone by December. And of course, he's going to tell us what it's like to be on Team Osaka. We went deep, and this special 90-minute episode is brought to you by Sergio Tacchini, the official apparel sponsor of Under Review. See what they're doing at SergioTacchini.com. You ready? Yes, I am. You ready for this? I'm not sure, but we'll see. Uh, first of all, I mean, we're sitting tandem on a uh, fitness bench in a gym in an apartment building on Wilshire Boulevard. Correct. It sort of, I mean, this is really, I think we're really right on the edge of Westwood and Beverly Hills. Exactly. This is where we are. And this is Team Osaka. Is this, is, is this the Team Osaka um, headquarters as far as you're concerned? This is where Team Osaka is currently staying. Um, she's, she's living in L.A. and we're actually here for three weeks until we go to uh, Indian Wells. But yeah, this is where we're staying, close to UCLA, walking distance, UCLA, walking distance to different gyms and uh, yeah, good location, I think. Or is it a pretty plug-and-play place for you? Oh, well, um, I actually love coming to L.A., first of all. Um, I'm, I'm living in Belgium. Uh, I travel about 35 weeks a year. But um, yeah, doing the training weeks in L.A., just as uh, I did actually last year with, with Victoria Zarenka. And yeah, I must say I, I, love, I love L.A. And the more I spend time in L.A., the more I get to know the city and uh, the more good places I get to know. And also the more I, I really enjoy it. Nobody walks in L.A. I do. You're one of the only. I'm, I'm a European. Like, I love to walk. There's I no, love to walk know, wherever I go. There's, no, there's a famous song, uh, Nobody Walks in L.A. That's, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'll have to look that one up. We do a five-set format. Um, I know you've heard the show, so you yeah. know how we do it. Um, our first set is an off-the-core report. Okay. You came, you, you left Australia, mm-hmm. and did you come straight here? No. So... After spending about five weeks in training and then did like four weeks in Australia, uh, I went home to Belgium to see the family. I have two young kids, four and a half years old and uh, 17 months. So I was happy to see them. Uh, I spent about uh, a week in Belgium before I left uh, to Spain um, to support uh, Naomi with the Fed Cup. She played in Spain. After that uh, Fed Cup, I went, I went again home for about a week and then uh, I came to L.A. To, to start practicing. Oh, that's right. She played Fed mm-hmm. Cup mm-hmm. for Japan. Obviously, yeah. So now, you, so, so now you come to L.A.? Yeah. 
are you in full? Are you are you, are you in just in full training mode? Yes, it's another um, let's say a small preseason where um, Naomi is the player that's not gonna play too many tournaments. She's gonna focus more on the on the big tournaments, and uh, outside of that, she's gonna have more training weeks and to keep developing developing her game. Now, are are you okay with that? Or do you want her to play more tournaments? No, I I I, um, I don't want her to play to, uh, more tournaments. I actually have 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 done it different ways with players. Where I mean, the player I worked with for the for the longest time was uh, Kim Kleisters, and and she also decided to play more like just the big ones and have uh, to play a limited limited schedule, and have different um, yeah training blocks throughout the year and to keep developing the game and also to stay mentally mentally and physically ready um, to, pl- to be at the best, uh, at her best during the, the biggest tournaments. Um, no, I know that there's been a documentary crew with you guys. Um, how much of a um, distraction has that been? Um, or how has that been okay? Are you okay with that? Yeah, it's been it's been interesting because I didn't know anything about it until I came to LA actually in December, and and then we spent a few days with them where we did some some interviews, but that was it. I didn't see them until we got to uh, to Melbourne to the Australian Open. Um, they were following us, but as as Naomi is very easy with them, she she doesn't get distracted by them, or it's not that she has to do anything different to to her training or between matches or she she's just doing like she's usually doing stuff and so it's it hasn't been a distraction do you have to manage that are you like hey listen she's going to eat you guys have to go eat too by yourselves or you can come or do you do you have to manage that is that part of your no uh, it's obligations let's say it's more like her job to do that, and also her, her agent's job. So to, to manage all that, I mean, it's very important that in a situation like that, that she gives enough feedback where it's too much, I need a little bit more space for myself, or like, oh, let's do this. Um, the feedback I get that, that she's actually enjoying spending time with them, and, and um, that, she, that she wants to yeah, show the world who, who Naomi is, and what, what the life is that she's living, and what she's, what's happening in her daily life. Yeah. So it hasn't been annoying? Not at all, not at all, no. That's good, man, maybe it'll be cool. Yeah, I'm sure it will be very cool. You think it's gonna be cool? Yeah. Has she given them adequate time? Does she spend significant time with them? She does, because I I, I asked about it, and obviously I didn't really know Naomi before starting with her in in December. And I asked the people, and uh, they gave me the feedback that she's she has been very open, and she's giving them great ideas. And she's um, as I as I know now, she's a very creative person as well, with very like many different ideas. And and I, I think it's going to be a very very nice documentary to watch. Uh, for our listeners, uh, this is uh, Netflix with uh, LeBron James's group Uninterrupted, or uh, have a rolling. On Naomi, um, I'm, I'm uncertain of what the timetable is with regards to it. Um, I think they're gonna actually follow her until after the Olympics. That's a bit, uh, okay. So yeah. they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna peak at the Olympics. How has the training block been? Actually, very good. Um, Naomi is definitely a player who 
who wants to get better every day. And um, she obviously had already some, some really good results, but um, she's still young. She needs to, she can improve still a lot and she's ready to work for that. She's a hardworking girl. Um, she, she does whatever we ask her to do. She gives us good feedback. And I think, um, yeah, as a, as a team, we have been, we have been working well. Yeah. Let's move into our second set. This is our on the court report. Um, it's a little bit more of the same, I think. Um, how did you come on board? How did you, you end up on Team Osaka? Yeah. Um, so last year I was traveling with Victoria Azarenka, um, who I worked with in 15 and 16. I, I really enjoyed my time with Vika. Like, I think we, we always had a great relationship and uh, respect for each other. But um, it was clear that Vika was struggling with her yeah, with her off-court problems, and she couldn't really um, be the best possible Vika um, that we that we knew in the past. So, so that was getting more and more difficult. And it was 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 that affecting the job you could do? Yes. Was, I mean, was that affecting your? It was, it was not. Job? A, it was not affecting my my job. It was more affecting her and her results. Like she was doing the work. Like there was no complaints about that. Um, she was really trying. Like tried different things, but like she she couldn't play free and and have the same confidence and and. Um, yeah, trust as she always did in the in the past. Hang on a second. You were her, you were coaching her when she played that unbelievable level at Indian Wells last year against Serena. Were you with yes. her? Yes. Because yeah. I have to tell you, I thought that she was going to win a grand. I thought she was going to win a major last year, man. After that, after I saw her play that match, I was at that match. I thought the level was the highest level. I'd seen in women's tennis in, in, mod, in, in recent memory. What happened? Well, and, and, and she lost that match in straight sets, but it was still, the level was, um, it was an absolute thrill to watch that tennis. I agree, it was, um, it was a very good match. Like there was, there was definitely um, a very good sign. She was on the right track. Um, but but yeah, it was Serena. I think both of them brought the best out there, um, and and well, that absolutely is true. But she didn't. She had her results went completely down the tubes. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, that was for sure a good match. After that, she played more really good matches, but but she didn't win those matches. Um, I mean, she was she was. Um, Almost beating Sloan in, in Madrid, which which was a really good match, but she didn't win it. Um, she played a very good match uh, with Naomi Osaka in um, in Paris. Uh, she was set on a breakup, but couldn't finish it. And like it, all, those 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 matches that she didn't win were just like adding into adding up, adding up, and and together with with the, the issues she had off court was like was not a good combination. And these issues are a, a child and a ex that is remarkably acrimonious. But she's having a very, very tough time with this guy. Well, I didn't get involved in that, to be honest. Like, I stayed 
and tried to do my job as good as possible. I knew there were like off-court issues going on, but I didn't want to get involved in that. And uh, you never that, had to talk to her about these kind of things. Not, not really. I mean, I don't think it's 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 my job to do that. Um, so, so I start, I tried to stay away from that. Yeah. And um, so, 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 how did the Osaka situation um, come all the way together? Mm -hmm. So, um, after the U.S. Open, um, the agent of uh, Naomi contacted me to see uh, what my plans were for 2020. And that's Stu DeGuid, I believe. I don't, yeah. Is that how you say it? How you say his I name? I guess so, Stuart DeGuid. Stuart DeGuid. Yeah. It's got um, a funny name, the way it's spelled. Scottish. He's Scottish. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. So he called me with with the question what my plans were for 2020, and um, if there was any chance to work with with Naomi, um, and obviously um, the chance of working with a player like Naomi Osaka is was certainly something that I needed uh, to think about. Like for sure, that was. A huge opportunity for myself uh, as things were were just difficult uh, with Victoria. So um, when I actually arrived in in China, uh, in Wuhan uh, with Victoria, um, I openly spoke about it. So I told Vika, hey Vika, um, I got this opportunity. Um, I know like things are not going well in your life, um, so I need to know. Like what your plans going to be for for 2020? How you see things? How you see your near future? And then, based on that, I will I will make my decision. And um, yeah, we we actually agreed that that I would take the opportunity because she couldn't um, she couldn't tell me exactly when she was going to play again, how her near future would look like. So she didn't want to take that opportunity away from me. As we as I said, like we had so much respect for each other and, and we didn't want to take chances away from each other and and um, yeah that's the way that's how it went that seems like a very adult way of uh, doing that yeah I think so too it was I, th I felt it was very important just to to be very open to to Victoria about it and and uh, I feel this is this is yeah this is the the best way to move forward now that you um, started with Naomi what was that conversation like? Did you have to meet in before you took the gig? Um, did you guys, or did you just like walk in? <laughs> so first I had my calls with uh, with our agent, with Stuart, and then we actually had the conference call together. That was actually before she was um, she was going to Tokyo. A conference call. Yeah. Really. She was going to Tokyo and then um, yeah Beijing. So. Yeah, they asked me about how I saw her game moving forward and what, what I what I felt about her strengths and weaknesses. Who, like, who was on the call? I'm just curious. Just Stuart and and Naomi. Just the three of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And did you and did you did you what did you tell them? Did you tell them, listen, I don't think you're hitting your backhand well. I don't think you're moving well. I think you need to lose weight. Like, what do you say to that? What was it? Well, I think that was. Just before going to two tournaments, so I was especially focusing on her strengths, and she needed to, I think, um, she needed to be remembered again what her strengths was. Reminded. Reminded, yes, exactly. So that that Played was to the strength. That was very important for her yeah. because I think she she lost that a bit in the middle of in the middle of last year, and 
yeah, she didn't, she needed to be reminded like who is who is Naomi? Like why why did I win those two Grand Slams? Why how did I become number one in the world? Like like how like what are other well, we, players afraid of? But she had really good results in Asia after this call. Mm. So your call helped us a little. Maybe maybe the call was useful. Maybe it was. Maybe uh, her dad did just a very good job in coaching her. It's probably a combination. You have a big smile on your face. I yeah. Mean, that's that sort of that that sounds to me like you helped cement the gig, cement the job. It's like you gave her a good a good talk. Well, it was nice to get some some good feedback from her afterwards. That that maybe the call helped her a bit. It definitely gave her some confidence and and like like I said, well, she went back to back, right? She won mm-hmm. Osaka, mm-hmm. and then she and didn't she didn't yeah. she follow it up with a win? Yeah, yeah. she also won uh, won Beijing, and obviously I tried to watch those matches and I learned a lot from it. I learned like. Um, yeah, the tactic, the tactics she was using, also the, the way her dad was coaching her, giving her a lot of trust, a lot of confidence, believing in her, and, and I think it was also very important, like for me, like the way to start with her. And, and did she injure herself there? Did that happen? Was there a shoulder injury involved? Yeah, but it, it, it was already a few weeks that, that she was struggling with, with that shoulder. Um, that she, yeah, that she was struggling with a shoulder injury because after um, after Beijing, I actually went to to Shenzhen, not to coach, but I was there for um, for SAP where I do some some analytical work, and um, yeah, Naomi, I wanted to to watch different matches of Naomi and hopefully see her win win the WT finals, but she only played that one match against Kvitovan. So now it's two, obviously it's 2020. Um, she had match points in Brisbane against Plushkova in the semi. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Didn't get through. And then she had a bad loss, mm-hmm. or at least in my opinion, a bad loss mm-hmm. to Coco Gauff mm-hmm. in Australia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What can you tell us about, about this, you know, this beginning of the year? Um, it was not the, the beginning of the year that we were hoping for. Um, I think in Brisbane, Brisbane was actually a very good start. She 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 played very tough matches, good matches. She was challenged. Um, like I was I was happy with her with her level with with her mentality, and I think it was a was a great start of the year for her. And it was, I think it was a was the ideal preparation for Melbourne, uh, because you want to be challenged before before going going into a slam. And um, then we, we went to Melbourne, we had a good training week, she looked ready. Um, but I felt that, that there was more pressure on her and um, in, from the first matches. I've, I think that she was putting a lot of pressure on her, that, that yeah, um, she, she looked a bit unhappy in different matches when things were not going exactly the way she wanted. And Agitated. She was, yeah, already from from the first match. She was a bit and n- not accepting, yeah, things not to be perfect. Do you think you did a, a good job there, or do you think you could have done better? I think I could have done better, for sure. Yeah, I always look at myself and, and I always think, especially after a loss, like how could have we prevented that or how like what could could we have done better and i think we can always always do better or but how about or how about just to get the player to stop having those negative kind of moments is that i mean 
at some point, the coach, you know, mm-hmm. you're the closest to the player. Um, yeah. yeah, but it was also our first Grand Slam together. Sure. And I definitely think we learned a lot from that. Um, I think the most important is that I can only help the player if they're 100% open to me. So if I, if I ask the player like how the player is feeling and I only get positive feedback that everything is like perfect, like there's not, there's not much room for me to help, right? So it's very open, very important to be, to be open and, and, and tell the coach, you know what, like today I'm, I'm feeling more pressure, I'm feeling nervous. Like, it's, I, like a, it's like a, if you go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist, they tell you, listen, if you don't tell us what's really going on, we can't, no. we can't necessarily help you through. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's a bit, that's a bit what happened. Um, it's also, a learning I, process, I, isn't it, it? For sure, and I think especially for her also, maybe she didn't know what she was going to feel out there, um, but she felt more pressure suddenly when she was on the court than she was probably expecting or she normally um, she she always has been very good dealing with dealing with pressure but at that moment like it, it, it was too much for her and she didn't know she didn't really know what to, what to do with it and and the fact of the matter is that she had absolutely destroyed Coco Goff mm-hmm. uh, in the mm-hmm. previous slam right she walked into a big night match and played phenomenal tennis blew her off the court and you know they had that terrific moment at the end of the match where mm-hmm. she you know really impressed I think the tennis world mm-hmm. um, but she definitely it definitely seemed like Coco Goff uh, redux was a was something that got into her mind in a in a adverse way yeah and especially when she got that that break in, in the first set I think Naomi didn't start too bad, but but uh, Coco actually very served really really well in the first three four games and had a very high percentage of first serves that where Naomi didn't really get the chance to to, to break her and then yeah it, it's a little more tight you have one bad service game and suddenly it's it's three five and and you don't really know what to do with that so that was that was for sure um, yeah very tough for her I mean it's it's a bad it's a very tough loss. We all agree that Coco is, is a great player. She's she's gonna be an awesome player. But I felt uh, that day that 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 Naomi lost more to herself than to her opponent because like she was far from far from the best level. Okay, here we are. It's we're moving into the Sunshine Double. How are you feeling going into the tournaments? How are you feeling going into into the spring? Yeah, I mean, this is this is great about tennis. There is always a next tournament, right? So we forget about what happened. Um, I mean, we obviously learn from it, um, and we will take away some some things from 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 uh, the beginning of the year. But yeah, I feel we are stronger now. Um, mentally, we we learned a lot. Physically, again, we had a few really good weeks. So she's she's fresh. She's motivated. Um, she's she's hungry to do really well out there, and and I'm excited. I'm just excited um, for the next matches. What have you guys been working on, X's and O's? What is the is it is it technique? Is it strategy? Is it her second serve? What are the things that you do? I mean, I saw some video of you dropping balls right and left. Like I don't have no idea what 
what what what that is. I mean, I watch it and I feel like, man, why doesn't she? Why don't they work on? Why isn't she playing matches? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we obviously we play matches, uh, getting closer to the tournaments, but. I don't want to be too specific. Yeah, I'm sure. sorry. I'm sorry for that. But um, like after like one month of, of tournaments, um, I always pick like two or three keys. What we want to do better. What we're gonna get. Where we want to really get get better at. And that's what what we have been doing. So we pick those three keys and we work. We work very intense on on those those things. And you're not gonna tell me what they are. Like. I don't think it's a good idea. No, I like to keep things a bit for myself. Um, yeah, I mean, people are people are listening, so it's like. No, I understand. No, because no. it's a bit on. on Wimpeset keeping it keeping it tight. I'm sorry, but keeps but the camp tight. Don't apologize. Just, I don't. I don't want to give away everything. No, no, but but yeah, it's not it's not her weakness. I don't think she has a weakness, but just like things that can be better, we try to improve until we go to the next tournaments. And, and, and when you start cranking up the match play, who is she playing? Who will you bring in to play? Does she just play with Carousel or is it other players? Most of the time. Most of the time with Carousel. Uh, for our listeners, Carousel, Brazilian, played like six or seven, I think, at UCLA, um, took a shot at playing pro tennis, is Naomi's uh, hitting partner. Um, Yes. What's that relationship? Uh, it's been very good. Like Karu is like the ideal hitting partner. <laughs> he uh, he hits the ball like perfect. Exactly what, what everything I ask him like to do, he does it perfectly. So it's 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 been really good. And now, will you have him mimic players or try to? You know, yeah, different strategy. Like one day he will play super aggressive, the other day he will just grind from the back. So he will do different. We do different strategies, but uh, no, the plan is we're we here like one more week at UCLA um, to play, maybe with a few other other guys as well from from the team to get a different ball a bit, and then yeah, we move to we move to uh, Indian Wells. That's it. That's it. Yeah, she she. Feels like she doesn't need to play with with other other players, and I agree on that. It's not it's not really necessary. I mean, she showed me in in Brisbane that after like a long off season and preseason for her, that she was ready in the first match when she had to play Sakari, and she was right there the first match. So that that means that that it is really not necessary for her to play those practice matches. Do you feel pressure? Um. I mean, you got brought in. You're the you're the guy. You're the you're the coach with the chips. You're the coach with the grand slams under his belt, with players. Do, do you feel pressure? I I do feel pressure. Yes, but um, I see it obviously long term. Um, like, there's no way you can you, you can. Be sure of having success on on a short term. Like things have to fall in place. Like everything needs to be perfect, and and you can't. Yeah, it, it's, it's not always happening, right? It's not. It's not. Like, there's no. There's no magic. Like I, as a coach, I I don't have any magic tricks to make players win slams. Like I I don't have that. I I focus on the on the development of my player. I try to make my better stronger, better every week, but but at the end that doesn't 
give you the, the um, that I mean that doesn't make you win the tournaments, right? Everything needs to come together. Like the player needs to win some matches, get get some confidence. Like everything needs need to come together, and it's not there's no there's no magic stick for that. Let's move into our third set. This is the portion of our show where we talk about your career. Now, I have to tell you, I thought, for some reason, I had it in my mind that you were sort of like this mysterious coach who, you know, you go from player to player, and I didn't, wasn't sure that you were even a nice guy, and then I started doing my research, and I learned that you were, they said everyone, he's always a really nice guy. Why did you think I wasn't a nice guy? No, I don't know. I, I just had that you were like a very serious guy that didn't speak to anyone. I had it completely. I am serious. I had it like very wrong, though, in my mind. So let me just ask you, where does your tennis begin? Um, I was about eight years old when I started to play tennis, when my mom started to play tennis, and, and I, I loved the game. Um, like I was, I was so happy playing tennis, and I still am. And are you are you from Brussels? No, my my city is is Hasselt. Uh, it's a, Hasselt. I mean, yeah, I mean it's close to the Dutch and the German border. Uh, Belgium is is not a big country, but um, but it's a very good tennis country. We have like, many good coaches, and and the level overall is very good. But there's like different Belgians, right? There's like Justine Hennen mm-hmm. is more on the French. French, yeah. And then there's Kim Kleisters, and you and you're more on the Dutch. Yes. Flemish, you said. Yeah, Flemish, yes. And um, that's it. It's just two different groups, kind of. Yeah, it is. It's it's. We have two different tennis federations. We have the Flemish tennis federation and the French tennis federation. So it's a, uh, yeah, small country, but yeah. Two different, different sort of different groups parts. of people. Yes. Like yeah. tribes. Yeah, kind of. No, I mean, at the end, we're, we're one small country, but and, and proud also if the French speaking. Players do well, like, but but yeah, we have two two different tennis federations. But like the but the Flemish can't speak the French, and the French can't speak the Flemish. No, the other way around. Like we the the Flemish, I mean, we all speak French. Like, you all speak French. Not perfect, but we learned it in school for for about eight years, so I we see. all can speak pretty good uh, French. Um, as we need to also. And I the mean, French, our Dutch is not like a big language. And the French the can't speak the then, Dutch. Most of the time, they're not very good at it. No. That's interesting. Okay, I'm sorry, continue. Yeah. <laughs> I just had to get that clear in my mind. So yeah, I loved, I, I loved playing tennis from when I was eight years old, and I, I still really love it every time I go on court. I'm, I'm just happy to be there. But yeah, I, um, I, I went to school, after school, I went, I went to, play, to practice more or less every day. And, um, but I read that when you got to the 16s, you, Rokas, and Melise were together. Well, I was always number three on my age, three or four. And number one was Xavier, and uh, number two was Olivier, who was a year younger. But uh, do- By the way, you say Xavier? You don't say Xavier? No, you say Sa- Xavier. Xavier, Xavier Melisse, um, top 15 guy. I think he might have moved into the 10 at some point. Uh, uh, he was close to, yeah. Close. Playing semis and women, uh, I think. Yeah, long time, uh, great player. And Olivier Roque, same thing. Yeah. So do, those two were already from a young age with the best players of, of their age, like worldwide. And I was far from that. So I was number three or four, but I was far from that. So some international selections, I was able to go with them. And uh, I mean, together we're, we won the, the European team championships uh, 
where I didn't play a match. So, but I still, I was there with them and it was a good experience to, to be with them. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the way I, I, yeah, I grew up. And, and, I, and I read that you went to college, you got a degree in statistics. Not 100% correct, no. No. So when I was, I finished school when I was 18, and then actually um, I moved to Germany because there were not many um, options to train outside of the Federation. And uh, in Germany I got, I got uh, in, a, a good, um, in a good team with some good coaches, different players, um, yeah, training and so traveling around the world. So you tried to play pro tennis? I, tr I tried it, yeah, for a year and a half. And I had like a little surgery here, carpal tunnel, um, and yeah, I mean, together with with other factors, it was was very tough. And and after a year, a year and a half, like I decided to to go to study. But is it statistics that you logistics? Logistics. Yeah. What's that? Logistics, distribution, um, international, let's say, business. Yeah. Oh, I see. So now, so how did you get together with Kim Kleisters? I knew Kim already from a very young age. And we practiced together for about three years. I was 15, she was 12. And we started to practice. She came to the club where I was practicing and, and we were yeah, training more or less every day together. And when I think about it now, and I also do some work in Academy in Belgium sometimes, like a 15-year-old boy who was like number three or four in the country to play with a girl that was like three years younger. It's actually probably most parents would have said like, hey, that's not possible. My boy doesn't train with the girl like three years younger. But yeah, we did. And it was, I mean, we had very good practice together. We had, we had fun. Like that was really, really a good time. And um, she went uh, her way, obviously. Um, directly to the top yeah, and I went I went to, to Germany and I went to study so we we went a complete different way until um, a few years later I think I was like uh, 23 24 yeah 2004 there was um, an international tennis tournament in my in the city where I live and we were looking for some hitting partners and um, yeah I got I got the job which was exciting and then after so many years I got to see Kim again, which was a very, very pleasant experience. And I was her hitting partner for that week. And we had, we had great practice together. It was like, and lots of fun. Then the next year, 2005, um, there was another tournament in Belgium, the big tennis tournament in Antwerp. And I was also hitting partner there. We had another very good week. And, um, and um, yeah, we, we stayed in touch. Sometimes I went to practice with her until she st stopped with her coach in, uh, in, at the end of 2005. And actually the first tournament I ever went with her was here in LA at the WJ Finals 2005, after actually she won her first, uh, her first Grand Slam ever. So yeah, you know, staying in Beverly Hills, playing in the Staples Center, that was not a bad experience as a first tennis tournament. So I was like, this is maybe what I want to do. So Kim Kleister's really helped you find your way. Yes, yes, she did. Because I was, I was actually working, I was working in a company and uh, after, after work, I was doing some, some lessons to earn a little bit more money. And, and, and then like actually with, with working with her and traveling with her a bit, like I realized that that, that was my real passion and I wanted to get, get back to that. 
And do you find yourself coaching? I mean, there's a big difference between being a hitting, a hitting partner and coaching. Yes. So from 2005, um, I, I kept working. And some weeks I could take off, travel with Kim. But she didn't have a coach at that time. So I was obviously trying to help her as much as I, as I could and also giving her some, some especially tactical advice. And um, yeah, we kept actually doing that for until 2007, until she decided actually that her first career was over. And that was, that was just at the time where I decided, you know what, like tennis is going to be my life. I'm going to stop working. I'm going to go full for my coaching career. There was just a few, few weeks later where she decided, hey, this is, uh, it's enough. Like I can't do it anymore with uh, different injuries. And like, so, so that was it. And then um, I really had the feeling did that... Did you have, like, did you have a full panic attack? Did you... Not wait? really. I mean, it was like... <laughs> what, what do you... Yeah. I wasn't... I, I was disappointed, of course. But, um, but yeah, I was, I was still going still gonna to try it. So at that time, like, I decided, okay, I'm going to try to become a coach. That was, that was my goal. And... Inside, I always had the feeling that Kim would come back one day. And so I, I tried to gain as much knowledge and experience as possible. I probably read all the books that existed about tennis, about every part of tennis, the tactics, the mental part, like all of it. Went to different seminars all over the world. And outside of that, I was, I was coaching about 50, 60 hours a week in a, in, a, in a club in Belgium. Until in 2009, beginning of 2009, I got a phone call from, from Kim's agent who wanted to speak to me. And well, he came with a surprise that um, she was thinking about coming back. And you got a deal done. I mean, I think that was probably like one of the best days of my life because like I knew Kim's potential. Like I, she was for me one of the best players ever out there. And I knew like she could be better than she was in her first career. Why? I think different things. I think she could have... Like, physically, she could have been a lot better. Tactically, um, she could have, have done a lot better. Um, yeah, especially with her being a bit older, having the child and, and, and all that, I, I felt that, that this, like, she would be able, that's what, actually what I told her before her first match in Cincinnati, like, like Kim, like, with your level, I really feel that you can, you can dominate women's tennis for, for the next years. And for me, she did that, kind of. Well, you guys, I mean, you guys got three, you guys got, you guys won a lot of, lot of tennis. Hmm. Hmm. Yes. I mean, she... Do you, do you know how many tournaments you won? No. no I don't, you don't know how, I, I don't know. You don't know how don't many know. slams you won? Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was three. Yeah. Three slams. Um, yeah, WTA finals. Um, yeah, a few other... Big tournaments. She became number one in the world. And 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 how important was that friendship to the success? Um, was, it sounds to I me like it sounds to me like your friends. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we were good friends, but I think at the at at those moments, it's more like 
I mean, you don't win slams with, with, with being friends. So it's more that, that the respect and, and the trust is there and, and you believe like what your, what your coach is telling you. So I, I, I remember like when she started to play tennis again in, in 2009 and I explained my vision and the first um, thing I said to her, I said, Kim, like, like everyone in the world knows you because of that, that sliding split, you know? She's like, yeah, I love doing that. I said, well, it's over. Like, you're not going to do that anymore. She's like, why not? I said, well, you have the weapons um, to dominate every player. We're not going to be the, 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 the player that is like running to every ball, trying to play defensive. I mean, maybe you're going to you can use that in one time a match, but that's not what, like, we want to hit the other player like off court. That's what you're going to do. Let's blow this. Let's blow these opponents off the court. Yes. Forget about playing defense. Let's be offensive. Yes, yes, that would be like the plan A, and that's what we were, um, yeah, that, that's what we were working on. Um, and when she, and, she, and, then, and then she stopped again. Mm. Well, I, I worked with her until, until the end of 2011, so we had three big years, and um, yeah, it was, was over. Like, the magic was over. Um, it was best for both that we would go separate ways. You had enough of each other. I think we spent so much time together, and like, yeah, things were things were over. Um, did you have a, a bad fight? Not, n not at all. No, I don't. Uh, nothing, nothing really happened. But if it just you know, it's, like, it's 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 tough when you spend like so much so much time together. It's, it's it was very intense, spending a lot of hours together. Um, and, and of course, you have some, some big disappointments which you have to get over. And, and yeah, also, Kim is a player that, that needs to be challenged. Like, she needs to be challenged a lot. She gets maybe bored quite, quite, quite quick. And after working with, for someone with three years, like, probably I also wasn't challenging enough, like, or I didn't bring enough variation to the practice. Maybe also for her, good to have, like, a different voice. Sure. Um, what was the great, what was your greatest moment with Kim? Is there one match or one moment that stands out as the greatest? I mean, US Open 2009 in general, like from just coming back, playing a third tournament out there and really beating all the best players out there in one tournament. Name them. I mean, finals was Wozniacki. She beat uh, Serena. Uh, Nali, um, she beat, was it Venus? Venus also. So, yeah, I mean, that was, at that time, those were the best players. And, and the thing was, when we started, she said, okay, my, my first goal is to win a slam as a mother. And we achieved that. The second goal was to beat the best players out there. And we did also that. And the third goal was to become number one, but wasn't really a big goal, but yeah, we wanted to have three goals, so, so that was goal number three. So after like playing three tournaments, like she reached her first two goals, and which was not, not easy to, to have the right, yeah, motivation moving forward. So we needed to a bit uh, reset that. Man, I feel like we could have a whole Kim Kleister's episode. <laughs> yes. Um, my last question about her, um, what is your opinion of this latest 
foray back into the sport? Um, I got this question a lot of times, <laughs> but uh, it's difficult for me to answer as we, like, I've been traveling around the world with different players. I've been so much, like, outside of Belgium. I haven't seen Kim um, much. I haven't seen her for practices. Um, so it's, 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 it's really tough to say. Like, like, speaking about her potential, I mean, her potential is... is is unbelievable. Like she's got the, the one of the best, one of the cleanest shots out there, and and so heavy her forehand and backhand. Um, she's so good. Yeah, she's really really good. But um, her serve was never like a big weapon. It was always a bit up and down. Is it gonna be better than it was in 2009 2010? Like I don't th I don't think so. Um, her movement was was always very important for her and was always one of the best. Is it going to be better? Probably not. So, sure. So how it. how is that going to be with the, with the modern tennis that has been played? Where also from the first round you get really tough opponents. There's so many good players out there who can also serve well. Like there are more players now who have a really big serve than than used than they used to have. Particularly in the big tournaments, there's not a lot of easy opponents. Um, everyone, all the players seem much more fit. All the players seem to have stopped really missing, uh, particularly on the backhand. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Yeah, yeah, but. Kim was a, was a was a bigger hitter than most of the players, but is she still? I don't think so. Yeah. If we see players like Sabalenka, you see players like Yastremska. I think these play, players hit a bigger ball than than Kim used to used to do. So no doubt. Yeah. Um, you know, you have a reputation, at least in my mind, as being sort of like the guy that bounces from player to player to player to player to player. It's You're not, shaking it's, your head. It's, no, it's not. It's not really correct. It's inaccurate. Well, yeah, I'm. I'm let's let, let me. Let's just go through it, and then, you know. So when you finish with Kim, yeah, you work with Wickmeyer. You work with Kristen Flipkins, somewhat. Yeah, some weeks. Yeah, so some, through the federation. You like stayed some, busy. Yeah, yeah, trying to develop myself as a coach. Sabine Lasicki. Yes, that was uh, because there was some some player between that. So after working with Kim for three years, and she was let's see, an older generation player and maybe not always very excited to, to, let's say, improve every single day, I actually wanted to work with somebody like super hungry like to improve every, and to work super hard. And I got this opportunity to work at that time number one in juniors, like uh, Irina Kromacheva. And, um, Say the name. Irina Kromacheva. Kromacheva. Kromacheva, yeah. She was 17. Um, yeah, number one junior. And I got the, the opportunity to work with her. And it was, I mean, a very interesting time because she, say she was number one in juniors, but she didn't really develop her game for like the pro level, more like she, she had the game to win juniors, but not the pros. And I worked with her for a year and a half. Uh, she moved up to number 160 in the world. So we did all the different stages together. So in a, in, in a way, you took a big step back, yeah. but to grow professionally. Yeah. Also, after working with Kim, you know, like, you don't know what chances you're going to get. So it's like, you know, it's especially at that time when I worked with Kim, like, everyone was speaking about Kim. It was like, 
they were not speaking about Wim. It was, it was about Kim. So, so I, I didn't know, was it me? Or was it just her? Right, are you, did so you? So I, 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 like, I was. Are you the guy that just got tagged along, that got brought along for the ride? Was I just being lucky? Are you just a lucky guy? Like, I didn't know. I did not know. So I got this opportunity and I worked with the girl. I actually enjoyed it. The 160 in the world. So, I mean, that was, that was interesting until I got a phone call from, from the agent of uh, Sabine Lissicki, Oliver von Lindong. And, um, Olivier von Lindong, longtime uh, IMG agent. Yes. Um, he also currently has Daniil Medvedev. He has, I believe... Garbinia Muguruza. He has Muguruza. Yeah, so, so I got the opportunity to work with Sabine. And uh, that was a very, very interesting time. It was just before we started, just before the French. And um, then we moved to, I mean, she played third round. And then she, we went to her favorite season. It was the grass season. And I remember from seeing her the previous years, I, I believed that something unbelievable could, could happen. And it almost happened. I mean, we had, um, we had an unbelievable run in Wimbledon. Sabine Lisicki, you, well, you, you can continue, but I mean, she's had the most unbelievable results on grass. Yeah, she played, I think, one time quarter, one time semis, I think. And then in uh, 2013, yeah, she, played, um, uh, she played the finals and lost it to Marianne Bartoli. I mean, you guys made a run to the finals. What was that like? It was, I mean, it was unbelievable. For me, like, it was, was also such an important moment in, in my career where, like, you know, after Kim, then working with, with the junior, like, that's also, like, I, I started to really believe more in myself as a coach because this was a completely different player than, than Kim, different mentality and... Different physicality. Everything, everything was was different. The way she was thinking, and like I, I, I really felt that I found this this ideal approach for her. You were uh, proud of yourself. You felt like you got it going. Oh yeah, I was I was super proud. I mean, we we, we beat Serena there, um, and that was like like unbelievable match. And then uh, the semis, she beat uh, Agnieszka Radwanska after like also a very very long match. And like unfortunately, all those long long matches uh, were too much for her. And and physically, she was not she was not not ready to play the finals. And, and that also yeah made her maybe emotionally more more weak than than she would have been normally. But yeah, that was an unbelievable run. I mean, like. That was so unexpected. Also, it was 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 amazing. Where did her? Where when you started with Sabine Lasicki? Where was her ranking, and where did it finish? I don't know. You don't know? No. <laughs> I know that she played finals of Wimbledon, and that she meet, that she beat uh, like most of the best grass players of the moment out there. So that's that's what I remember. I also, I'm not too focused on on rankings. I don't I I don't keep stats. Like I brought this player from this. No, I don't like. You don't talk about it like that. No, not much. I mean, no. obviously, to, to, to bring a player to, to I, I've been with a few players to number two in the world or number one in the world, but, but I don't, uh, no. What's important to you? Um, I focus on the, on the development. I, I'm most proud if, if, if people say you made this player like a better player, like since she's working with you, she's, she's, she's been a better player or like, and then, I mean, results come come automatically with that if, if you work with a player. So how do you go from Lissicky to Hollow? 
Yeah, I had a little step there in between. <laughs> so one of the younger players of Olly van Lindonk was uh, this Dutch super promising girl, Indy de Vroom. Um, she was one of the most promising players since she was like 14. And she lived um, like one hour from, from my place. So he asked me if I could work with her. And actually I took, I took the job. And um, yeah, did several tournaments with her, went to Mexico. and we Two times in a row, like finals she played. And uh, it was actually one of the tournaments I went with her to Mexico. I saw Naomi Osaka for the first time. And I think Naomi was like 14. And we played, uh, I mean, my player played doubles against Naomi and her sister, which was like, which was interesting thinking back of that. But then um, um, after the Australian Open, I got a phone call from the agent of uh, Simona Halep. And uh, if I was interested to work with her, and yeah, I mean, even I believed in this indie, <laughs> indie the room, I really believed, and I enjoyed working with her. She was like 250 or 300 in the world. You know, like to work with a player like Halep, who was, who was like, yeah, like of course. 12, was she like 12 or 14 in the world? I don't remember well, but that, that was obvious. That was a chance I couldn't, I couldn't leave. I had to take that opportunity. And what was your um, experience with Simona like? Well, see, well, it was an unbelievable transition. She, she just made it to, I think she was like 14 or 15 in the world by playing and winning some smaller tournaments. And I remember like the, the, the day before I met Simona, she writes me an email that she's already sorry because her English wasn't too good and all. She was a very shy girl. It was not easy to communicate with her. English wasn't too well. And, um, but she developed herself like unbelievable. Um, so the second tournament we, we played was in, uh, in Doha and uh, she won that tournament. And that was her biggest win in her career. Like, also, again, unbelievable experience. And, and from, from there on, she played, I mean, she, she played semis in uh, Indian Wells. She played, um, she played finals in, uh, in Madrid, lost to Maria Sharapova, then played finals in, uh, in Paris. Uh, she, yeah, lost to Maria. Um, semis in Wimbledon. I mean, it was like, it was an unbelievable run we had together. So how did it, why did it stop? So... <laughs> I mean, it's always, it's always interesting, yeah, right? Why, why, why does it stop? Um, yeah, I mean, we, I have to ask, because it's like unbelievable. You guys have, you've had these moments, and it's just a, you know, it's, a, it's, it's the most, it's the question everybody wants to know, right? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. Uh, um, it was, one of the, one situation is that at that time, Simona, she was still, she was very young still, and and I don't think she really um, felt like the importance of 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 the coach or really the role of the coach in a success. Um, so so that was I, I felt I felt that more and more throughout the year, and. Then she, she told me like she wanted to work like more with like Romanian people that she was very comfortable. And I mean it was a was a big disappointment. Like I I I, I didn't agree on that. I felt like we worked well together. I mean her, her game developed really well, the results were there. So that was like it was a very weird decision and, and yeah. She fired you. 
Yeah, like yeah. yeah after the season, so the 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 agent called me and she's like, oh, sorry, Wim, but um, but she wants like a full Romanian team. She's a, she is very proud Romanian, and um, that's fine. But yeah, so that was it. So so she worked with with a Romanian coach for a few months, where that's where I also think she realized, okay, maybe that was not the best choice, and then she started working working with Darren. Um, so I mean that's that has been that was that was a disappointment for me, clear. Um, and then from there you moved to Kanta. Um, no, no, no. That's where I started uh, with Victoria Zarenka. Okay. So I worked with Simona until the end of 2014, and then also because it was a disappointment, and. Well, I had uh, some some better news in my private life that my wife was pregnant of our first uh, child. I actually decided, you know what, this world is maybe not is not for me. Because first of all, the disappointment of, the disappointment of, of Simona, and second, like her being pregnant, and I didn't have like coach examples who combined like a family life with like a career working with the best of the best, like. For me, I, I didn't see that. So I was like, this is not possible. So actually I, I stepped in uh, an existing academy in, in Belgium and I wanted to, to build that academy. <laughs> Until I, I did that for like four weeks and the agent of, uh, of Victoria called me. And I said, well, you know, like I'm, I'm, Man, you I'm, are... very, I'm very honored, like this opportunity to work with Victoria Azarenka, but you know what, like, I, I cannot do it. I just stepped in the academy, my wife is pregnant, you know, like, it's, it's not possible. Oh, why is that not possible? I said, well, I, I can only do like a certain amount of weeks and, oh, but that's not a problem. You just let us know what you can do and like, we'll figure it out. But can Vika call you? I said, yeah, sure, she can call me. And I remember we had the best phone call like ever. She was so, she was so kind, she was so open telling me about her life. And, had you ever had you ever interacted with her before the call? Had you ever had she seen you? She knew about you? Had you played that? Yeah. Not really. Yeah. But my impression was not good. Like I told her that also on the phone. Like I didn't. I didn't. So th- I'm saying this was al- so this was almost a blind phone call. Yeah. And it was a great call. Yeah, it was a great call. Oh yeah. What'd you tell her? Well, she, it was more her yeah. speaking about her life, um, her tennis, her ambitions, and and. Yeah, about about everything, and then like after the phone call. But you, well, but you just said that you weren't positive about her tennis. About oh, about the tennis, I was super positive. Just I didn't, I, I like just her impression. Like my impression of her wasn't too good. Just just her, like seeing her around. But you know, like oh, you before, can, I see. Before the call, you yeah. didn't have a great thought about her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah in your yeah. mind, I just guess just yeah. from seeing her at the tournament. You know, you see people, but you you. You think about them, oh, yeah, I think they're a bit like this or this or this. And that was maybe not too positive. It was like the way I thought about you. Oh, maybe, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but everything changed after that phone call. And like five minutes after the phone call, she texted me and, and she said, well, please, women, like, think about it. And like, you remember, like, your family is always welcome to, to, to bring, yeah, to come to the tournaments and to be with us. And I'm like, wow, is this, is this, this can't be true, right? But I said, you know what, like opportunity, Victoria Azarenka, amazing player, let's do that and let's see how it goes. And it, it went 
it went really good. Like like my my relation with Vika was was our communication was like great. I respected each other so much from from the first day. Um, my family was sometimes traveling uh, together, and and everything was just just really good. Results. Results. 2015 was a was a difficult year because she was struggling with some injuries. We um, we finished the year early, like just in Shut Wuhan. It down. Yeah, she she retired in Wuhan, and then we we, I mean, we had an unbelievable preseason. I'm I'm like very proud of that. We we worked so hard, and then for me, she was she was unbeatable in 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 2016, and she was on the way to to become number one in the world. Until she told me. Um, in Wimbledon that she that she was pregnant. Everybody was like, I remember everybody was like, man, it's gonna be this, Azarenka is making all those money moves, mm -hmm. pregnant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, she just won three from the first four tournaments. Um, she was playing, I mean, the best tennis of her life, I think. Um, and then, yeah, pregnant. What'd you say, I mean, what do you, were you just stunned? I mean, what, what can you say? Like, this is the tough thing uh, for a coach that that's something you can't control. And, and she pregnant. What she pregnant? I mean, what can I do? It was just it was just weird because like we were so full of like ambition and and all that. And suddenly, like, I don't have a job. I didn't have a job. My job was over. So there was I. Like, just middle of the season, we had the first. We had a, we had a great run, but that was it. Oh yeah, like a, what do you have like a four month old at home? <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So that was a very weird moment in my in my career. I just have to ask you very quickly. Mm -hmm. You don't have to sit down on it. Sasha Bajan was the hitting partner. He was with you. How is that guy? Well, I mean. Vika came came up with the idea in, in Doha to to bring Sasha to the team because he had the experience working with Serena. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think we we had a good time together. Um, he was he was, I mean, doing his job well. He was he was helping Vika, um, um, yeah, traveling many weeks with her. So it was, I mean, it was fine. Do you have any uh, opinion of him? Uh, he's your scrums coach now. I, I I don't really have. I mean, I have the respect for Sasha. Um, I think, yeah, he 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 did a good job working working with us. Um, but but yeah, I mean, after that, he developed himself as as a coach. Uh, I think, I believe he he learned he learned a lot from working with uh, with Patrick and he was uh, with Serena and. I hope he learned a lot also working with us, uh, with Vika, so. Do you um, have any kind of feel for where he went wrong with the Osaka team? Not really, and, and to be honest, like it's also, it's not my business. <laughs> so, I mean, he did a good job. Um, they, well, they, they won they back-to-back won -back Grand Slams. Yeah. They went back-to-back -back majors, and then he's, he's not there no more, and you are. <laughs> I am. I mean, that's that's how it goes, right? So I, I don't know what's wrong. It's not. It's also not my business. Like, I focus on myself. <laughs> 2016 Wimbledon. I didn't have a job, and and there was a question of like, should I wait? Vic asked me to wait for her, but I mean, it's obviously very uncertain. I mean, I had a child, so I know that a lot of things can go wrong. Oh, you had to work. Yeah. So I also had to work. So you couldn't sit out nine months. No, no, and I—I I mean, I didn't want to do that. And by the way, it wouldn't have been nine months. It's—it's it's twenty-nine months. I mean, it's—it's—it's it's, it's indefinite. Yeah. She had to get back in shape. Yeah. Also. Yeah. 
Yeah. But on the other hand, you know, like I enjoyed my work so much with her that that I was really thinking about like I really yeah. Shout out to Vika. I mean, that's a huge compliment. Yes. What, what, what hard worker, serious, great talent. Yeah, everything yeah. you ask for as a coach. Everything you ask for. Yeah. Listen absolutely. to you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I cannot say a different. Yeah. Couldn't say one bad thing about it. No, I don't. No. Oh, man. Mm. I'm sorry. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, so there was I. And then um, I did a few trials. So I did, uh, I, uh, I did a week with, uh, with Petra in, um, in Prague, and I went to tournament in Tokyo with her, uh, which was good, very good. Like, a lot of respect together, but it was not, a, not, not an ideal match. Not a good fit. Not an ideal, no, no. What part? She didn't like eating breakfast with you? <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, she's, she's super easygoing. Like, I don't think there's a more easygoing player uh, than, than, than her. But I think it was like, for me, I'm, I'm, I like to work on details. I'm a, a perfectionist and, and like, it didn't really, maybe I was asking a bit too much of her. Like it wasn't, it wasn't perfect. Chemistry. Like, chemistry was good, like great communication, everything, but just like, I don't know, it was, was not, not ideal. Not a perfect fit. Not a perfect fit. Continue. So then like, we're in September, October, and I'm still like thinking, what should I do? And 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 then through a friend of mine, I get I get a contact with uh, Irani. And <laughs> Sarah Irani, uh, the Italian, yeah. uh, she's like the size of a peanut, but um, <laughs> she's had a great, great career. Yeah. So so yeah, her, and she has a very feisty, her, like I always feisty I always, style. I, I always liked her. I, I think she's super talented, and uh, she. Uh, she had a problem with her surf. Like, that was one of the problems like, I wanted to solve. For our listeners, she's been, she basically served herself off the tour. Um, yes. She's had a tragic mm. yips in her serve as of recently to the point where she, she was serving underhanded throughout the match. Um, if you want to see it, it's on YouTube. It ain't pretty. Yeah. But that was 2016, and um, and yeah, her brother called me, and, and he asked me if I could work with her, and then like I had some doubts because at the end, like I believed in her as a really good player, but at the end, my my ambition was like to win slams, and if I could like let's say wait a few more months and then start again with Vika or like I go with Irani. So I told him, you know, like I'm gonna wait for Vika. And then uh, a day later, he called me back. He said, but what if you just work with her, with Sarah, until, until Vika comes back? And I'm like, yeah, you know, like, I'm not sure. Like, I also don't like that, you know, like when you can't really finish your job. And, like, and he said, what if you just come to Italy for like three weeks and just work together and then you can still decide? So I went to Italy and like, actually I had a good time there. Was at the Italian Federation and... and and I enjoyed working with her. I think she's super talented and, and uh, worked on the surf. Actually, I actually liked the result when I was, when I was, when I actually was leaving. And um, yeah, so we did it for three weeks. I, I enjoyed it, but again, like, I didn't see her as a, as a potential Grand Slam winner. And, um, and, uh, and just like at the time I had to decide, I got a phone call 
to work with Joanna Conta. And I mean, she moved up to the rankings the year before until number 10 in the world. And I was like, you know, like I like this girl and I think, I think she, she, has, she has potential to win a slam. So you I, did, huh? Yeah. You did. Do you? Do you? Do you? <laughs> do you? Do you still think that? Uh, maybe a little different. Yeah. So let's go. Well, you thought you thought she she was ten in the world. Yeah. You you, uh, she comes from the big time federation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, everything was good. So I went there. I did a did a week of trial, and we decided to, to do it to go for it. And she seems very. Um, uh, she seems very congenial, very nice. Yes, very nice girl. So everything was good. We worked in London, also close to Belgium. I could go home for the weekend, which was also not, not bad to see the family. <laughs> and um, yeah, started the year in, um, in Sydney, where she immediately won the tournament and played quarters in, in the Australian Open. Man, you've had a lot of quick... Quick successes, yeah. You've had some quick tournament wins. Yeah. I mean, it ain't yeah. easy to win a tournament. No, absolutely not, no. Maybe sometimes that first strike coaching is, yeah. you know, is, is um, well, new useful. Voice, new, yeah. new voice, new motivation. I think it always helps a bit. And um, yeah, I mean, we, we, had a, we had a great year. Um, semifinals, uh, Wimbledon as a highlight. Uh, after Wimbledon was a bit more, more difficult. She was like, Wimbledon was, was very big for her with all... Like all the attention and like so much. Oh my! I mean, in Great Britain, like they were going going crazy for this one. Yeah, I, mean, I had a front row seat for Tim Henman for a year or two. Mm. Um, it's it's amazing yeah. the uh, intensity of the press and of the fan yeah. fan base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, after that was a bit difficult because she was very focused. Like it cost her a lot of energy that Wimbledon, also mental energy, and it was difficult. She wanted to. She was very focused on, on making it to Singapore, to WTA finals, and finishing the year maybe a little early. And yeah, she, she lost her, I think, yeah. She was her, deflated, it sounds like. Yeah, like she lost a bit that, that, I think, not the motivation, but it was very difficult for her after Wimbledon to get back on the, on the right track. And, and, uh, That's the problem, uh, right? You can't peak. <laughs> you, yeah. You, if you peak, mm. And you don't finish. Mm. That's that's not good. Yeah, it was a tough time for her. I think maybe also she, after women, she should have taken longer break to really reset and to to, to find uh, yeah the right motivation and energy back. And and, and but uh, she learned a lot from that too. Your mistake or her mistake? Um, combination. I mean, it's yeah. not, I don't think it's always it's not it's not mine, but it's also not her. It's it's something you decide together and like you yeah you learn from it. Do you think you could have maybe done a better job at that moment? Looking back, um, probably. Yeah, but it's always like for me, a coach is not a dictator. So I like to to work like like we're on the same line. Like I I well, particularly in pro tennis, it's it's certainly especially now in pro tennis, the the player is the boss in a way that quite often is not the way a coach-player relationship is supposed to be, mm. in a way. Yeah, true. But for me, we're on the same line. We, we make decisions together. Like, I will, when, also when I start working with a player, I will never say, you know what, this is the way we're going to play. This is the way. I will, I will say, you know what, my vision of you of the next year is this. What is your opinion? What do you think? 
what should we add? What is what do you like? What what you don't like? Like this is this is the way I I like to work, and and I continue like that on a practice. Like today, my plan is to work on this. Please let me know if you have if you have anything else that you feel like I need to work on it. So we go together as as a team. But um, yeah, going back to Kanta, <laughs> we had we had we were speaking a different language. And we felt that more and more through, through the year, where um, she was very, very focused on everything about uh, being mentally strong, where I was, what I felt that she really needed to develop her game. And she needed work, to get better. Yeah, she needed to get better, like work technically. Technically to get, to better. Get, to get better. And after her loss, a lot of times we had the discussion where she said oh, I wasn't mentally strong enough. Where I said, "No, uh, no, uh, <laughs> Joanna, I, I don't think you played a good match. You could have done that better, and we need to work on this. This because it came back in other matches. We need to work on this. She, and like we had a we had a different we had a really different vision there. Because she hasn't improved. She's got the ability to play some very good first strike tennis. She had a she had a very good year for her for the first time in a long time. Mm -hmm. 2019, yes. she had a great little moment, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but she played some very bad tennis yeah. um, for a long time, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, she's, she's a confident player. If she gets confidence, like she gets, she can get to a very high level, but, but the first match is always like very, very tricky. And I felt that her, her basic level needed to improve. And, and of course, like by, I, I I told her like tennis is like it's like physics like you know if you if you do the things right the result is going to be good, right? So the more you you develop also technically to have to have cleaner shots, like the more like like stable your level will be. And we had we had a different we had a different vision about that. You're speaking a different language, baby. We we, spoke, <laughs> we were speaking a different language. Different language. Um, so so that ended. Mm -hmm. um, it sounded like it did it just fizzle away or was it a was it sort of a bad breakup or a it was not it was not a bad breakup no we um we had a discussion about um because in the race she was not winning matches uh, after after wimbledon the race to singapore race the to race singapore. to the wta finals yes yeah and um at the end like she decided uh, not to play um moscow where she had a chance to qualify and I really didn't didn't agree on that, and yeah, that's where <laughs> we really found out we were speaking a really different different language, and it was fine. But because it was true, like like especially the more you think about it, the more it's true. Like I respect her, and like I enjoyed that year. But like the more you work with someone, the more you sometimes realize it's not it's not an ideal fit. Dang. But that happens. Like you meet. Like I mean, it's it's. It's not like a relationship, but you meet someone and let's say you meet someone for two days and then you make a contract for a year. And how big is the chance that it's going to be the perfect fit? And because you told me like I'm, go I'm the coach going from player to player, like my goal is not to stay five years with a player. My goal is to be successful. And if I don't, I'm always going to be honest if there are things that are Missing, like what I say, like I, like my vision was not one of like really accepted by by Joanna because she had a different vision. 
then I don't feel like, like, um, like we're going to be successful in the long term. So then that's where you need to yeah, have a conversation. Kerber. Kerber, yeah. Um, I, always, I always liked her. How did it start? Um, the agent called me um, when news came out that I was not working with uh, Joanna anymore. Um, I always en en enjoyed Who's the agent? watching her. Alyosha Throne, Throne, German, yeah. So I, I, lived, German. I lived in Germany, so for, for a year and a half, I speak fluently uh, German, and that was one of the important factors, because she, really? she, yeah, it's very important for her, she feels very comfortable, and also with the team around, if everyone can speak the language. I mean, it is, it is easier than the team with like, people speaking different languages. I cut you off, but you always liked the way she competed, how she is. Yeah, yeah, and I thought she was, she was, um, she's just like that player that you don't like to play. Why? Because she's always, she's so, such a tricky player. She, um, I mean, she doesn't miss a shot. She's, she's mentally strong. Um, she doesn't like, miss. Uh, she, like she's a, she's this fighter and and she's all, not always playing like the cleanest tennis, but but yeah, it's just. But she very, doesn't hit winners. Oh, she she does. That's the interesting part. Yes, look at her matches. Look at look at uh, when she won Wimbledon. No, but Serena she, missed a million shots. Yeah, well, in the finals, yes. But, but before, she doesn't hit winners. She does hit winners, and that's also. Like, when I start working with, with, uh, with Angie, that's also the vision I, I, I explained her. Like, Explain. I, I told her, like, you have the grinder, Angie, and that's the one who's going to play, like, quarterfinals, and that's where it ends. Or you're going to be the, the more aggressive player, Angie, and that's the Angie that has chances to win big tournaments. And that's that's that was the tennis that we were um, that we were trying to play. Hit, but, hit bigger. Yeah, hit bigger. Hit bigger. Yeah, but it's it's, it's it's not it's not her. You know, like her personality is always going is going back to defense. So you need to you need to keep pushing her to play that offensive tennis because also deep inside she knows that she's she's best when when um, when she's playing her aggressive tennis. And look at her best. Look at her best matches. That's where, where um, she played her aggressive tennis. When she, when she beat, um, um, or no, she lost to uh, to Victoria in uh, the U.S. Open in in, in fifteen. Uh, but that's where where she like her best matches always when she played aggressive. When you see that forehand down the line nonstop going winner winner winner. Forehand down the line. Yeah. You don't no. see it that way. Well, no, no, I, 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 you know, my, listen, man, I trust the coach, but. You know, look, but like I, she's not, I'm not going to say she's the most aggressive sure. player out there, but like an aggressive version of, of, of Angie, that was for me the best, like the best the, Angie the, her, out there. The version. You yeah. guys won Wimbledon. Mm. Well, I mean, you got to, I mean, what was that like? When do you think that something special could happen? Oh, I believe that, I believe that before the tournament. And, you did. Yeah. You did. And. And actually, as after Wimbledon, that that Angie told me, so we did um, a preparation in Mallorca, 
and then she played the tournament in Mallorca, and we were practicing just before the tournament in Mallorca, and she played she played really good. And she said, you know what? The You're date- talking about the grass court tournament yeah. in Mallorca yeah. before Wimbledon. Yeah. You you went there and yeah. she played well. No, she she practiced well and then she lost first round oh, to, to to uh, risk. To Ali Risk. Yeah, and but just before the tournament, she said um, there was one practice, and after that practice, she stepped into her car and she's she told herself, like, I'm not gonna lose like any match on on grass this year, like, she that's how confident she felt. She was not she was not obviously you know, not telling it to me, but she told me like after after uh, Wimbledon, and she said, you know, like even after losing that match with risk in uh, in um, on grass in uh, in Mallorca, it didn't it didn't matter. Like I felt like I was going to be unbeatable. So that's really? how, how how confident she felt in in, in 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 herself and in her in her game plan. And yeah, that's like that's how it, everything starts with a vision and a dream, right? She could visualize herself winning Wimbledon, and then it happened. If you cannot, if you don't do that, like it's it's not gonna happen. How are you two not working together? How does that? How do you win Wimbledon and you're not? Do you, and this thing is no longer. Um. It's a it's a good question, of course. You know, like from the outside, it all it also looks. Um, well, know, that every, was everything. Everything looks very surprising, but there. I mean. That was that was one of the big contra. I mean, people. It all when when that happened, everybody was stunned. <laughs> yeah. After Wimbledon, it was difficult, right? Like Angie won Wimbledon. It was her biggest dream came true. Like she wanted to win Wimbledon. She was like since she was a young, young, young kid. But not just that. But I mean, you win Wimbledon, you, your life changes, in a sense. Um, endorsements, uh, opportunity. Mm. Fame, mm. would that be fair to say? Probably, yeah. I think so, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's 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 more or less the way it is. But um, she, we had a longer we she had a longer break and. Um, Did you have a front row seat for watching her maybe change? Is that what you're not telling? Is that what you're not saying? No, but I like I didn't know what to expect. I, I, I from my experience, it's it, I know it's. Difficult after winning a slam. It's always like you need a few, you need some time to to recover from that um, because the next tournament you tar- you start again from zero. That's the fun- that's the interesting part. You win on on so much confidence, and the next tournament, like you have to build your confidence again from not from zero, but but you have to build it again. You have to build it again. And Angie was was struggling with like if if. A player like Angie doesn't have that unbelievable, like fighting spirit and that mentality that uh, to really refuse to lose a match. She's not the same, right? So she didn't have that during um, Montreal, Cincinnati, U.S. Open. Like she didn't, she didn't have that. She lost the eye of the tiger. She lost it, and I and I, and then after after. After U.S. Open, we were in China, and she asked me like, "How are we doing like for next year?" Said, well, I, I don't, I don't really know, Angie, because like, I haven't seen the real Angie since you won, since you won Wimbledon, and and you're 30 years old, like maybe that was it, maybe that was it for you, like I don't, I don't know, you tell me. But yeah, we are now in China, and we have two tournaments here, like just, just show me, 
like where the real where the real angie is like show me she's like yeah but like it's it's really there and like i still feel it i have the ambition and i want to i want to do better and like so yeah well show it to me and then um i didn't see it <laughs> and um i didn't see it during those two weeks at all and uh, then i went to to poland to do the preparation for um for um for singapore and in that time actually you know most of the time between like after us open i get some offers from from other players checking in like what are you doing and and there was this player victoria zarenka who i who you understand i really enjoyed working with and Vika came back onto the and program and she she i mean she made me a good offer to to work with her uh, and and explain me a bit her situation and that her ambitions and you know and so um so I'm in Poland and 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 Angie asked me like um about about the next year and I and I told her again about about first of all um the the ambitions of her and her mentality and second also the fact I was always I'm always open the fact that that I had a really good offer from to work with Vika again and um yeah that's where like that's where things went went wrong and um went wrong but let, was, let's uh, say she got upset let um she got upset i mean you know like at the end like i also do do my job like um i i i work hard also and i i travel a lot so i the compensation is also important so that's where we had kind of a discussion also about so at the end like it was a financial issue that we that we that we did not continue couldn't fix yeah no i mean people never never speak about it right like if you read um the reasons why players stop with coaches or st- co- coaches stop with players it's never it's never a financial issue officially but at the end like that happens right and and internally i also hear other stories so so there is sometimes you don't get to 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 an agreement and it was <clears throat> i mean i told aji at the end like it's it's a business right it's a business and i mean there was a, the two factors the, the 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 business side of it and second um that yeah you know like vika was always a very special one to me and and i want i felt that our our story was not finished and we we still had a lot to to do to do um to do together. And Wimfasek given us this giving it to us straight today. Of course, why not? Um what I and we we talked about your your relationship with Naomi now. So now you still think the same about me like hopping players just just like that? Or? I don't think that, man. No. No. Okay. I don't think that, man. So you feel that that there was always like a good reason you understand things now? I'm glad you broke it down. Yeah? I appreciate it. Okay. But um I want to ask you one last thing. What is the moral of the story? I mean that's a great story. You went from 8 years old to you know winning winning world championships and winning going to number 1 in the world with players, trials and tribulations. What what is the moral of the story? Well, just just like every player tries to have the best possible career like i'm i'm also trying to do that for myself 
right? So I tried to, to achieve the highest possible. And like I'm, I'm also on my, where the player is on, on her path of, of becoming the best possible ever. It's also, that is also my, my path. Like I'm, I'm still developing. I'm, I'm 39 years old. I have now 11 years experience on the, on the tour working with, with lots of good players and also learned a lot from them. And I, I feel as a coach, I'm, I'm getting better every year and using that experience. And, and yeah, that's where well, I will keep, keep going. Let's move into our fourth set. Okay. We call this the 10 ball scramble. This is not a deep dive. I just say something, mm -hmm. and you say what comes into your mind. Oh, wow. Favorite tournament? Paris. Most disliked tournament? Beijing. Favorite court? Clay court. Least favorite court? Small courts. <laughs> Small. <laughs> Small courts. Small yeah. outside courts. Yeah. You like to be on the big court. Yeah. Best moment in tennis? Winning a slam. Worst moment in tennis for you? Every loss is the worst. You don't have a special one? Oh, my? I mean, your worst moment in tennis. Oh, I, mean. I have. Oh, yeah. Um, with Kim, um, 2010 um, quarterfinal Wimbledon lost to Zvonareva. Bad loss. Very bad loss, yeah. One uh, just beat uh, Justine Henner the day before. It's a setup um, to play Pironkova in the semis to, to, I mean, to go to the finals in, in Wimbledon, which was like a huge dream. And no, it was a bad loss. I'm looking at you, just talking about it. You seem, your fist is clenched. You don't mm -hmm. seem happy. Mm -hmm. Big entourage or lean and mean? Big entourage. Why? Um, first of all, I like to work with people. I like to work with with different um, specialists, and I think as a as a for a player also like I, I, as a coach, I can do a lot of things. But there are people who are better in, in in different departments. So I think it's good to have specialists around you, and also for the season, like and also career. Like if you have, it keeps everything fresh, and your relation with the player, and like the player has variation, can go to dinner with this one, this one, like. It's, it's fun. Win Vissette with the big team. Coaching from the player box. Happens all the time. And now with, with the new WHA rule, it's, uh, it's finally official. Favorite player growing up? Sampras. Mortaglu. Great coach, great person. Brad Gilbert. Love his book. Darren Cahill. Great coach, uh, great commentator. Nick Boletari. Yeah, one of the one of the best all time, and still still has the vision. Your favorite coach? I don't have one because you don't know what happens behind the scenes. It's very difficult. Let's move into our fifth and final set. We call this the king of the court. If there's anything in tennis. If you could take a, a racket and swing the racket and make a big change in the sport with no real aggravation, what would it be? I don't really, I, I don't really like changes. 
I think tennis has been has been the way it is um, for for so many years, and and I enjoy it um, the way it is. Um, people speak about like what they want to want to want to change, and like going into best of three and, and men's and, and grand slams and. That's personally something I, f- I find an inter- interesting topic because you always say that in, in men's tennis, there are always like no surprises in the, in the Grand Slams. Like the top four like goes to the semis and like, and the women is always like, the women are always like having surprises and then like the, the, the seeded players lose. But it's, it's so different playing best of five, I believe, because if a, if a player like Djokovic or Roger, if they lose the first set, like they're not gonna get nervous at all because they know, okay, this, this player has to, has to win like two more sets against me and that, that's not gonna happen. Where if they play best of three, it would, have, would be a complete different story for me. Like if you want to have more upsets in men's tennis, then you have to go best of three, I believe, because I believe we're gonna see Many more upsets. I've heard some people, some of my sources have told me that they think that once Roger, Rafa, and uh, Novak finish, they're going to make that change um, to best of three. They're going to, because, because the sport's gotten too physical, mm. and that we're seeing some bad mm. semis and some bad finals as a result of too physical five setters. Yeah, I agree on that. I mean, it's, it's um, I mean, if you, you want to see the best players at their best at the end of the tournament, so that's always a tricky part. You, the past years, you have seen some quarters, finals, semifinals where players were just like done, and that's of course like it's not really good for sports. Um, it might it might might be good, You're gonna, but it's going to be very different because because of that, the chances of seeing the, the top four players in the, in the semifinals are going to be less big than they are now. Now, you kind of, you almost know, like Novak, Rafa, they're gonna be probably, I mean, there's a very high chance. But best of three is gonna be a different story. So, yeah, why not? Hey man, um, like I said, I didn't know too much about you before we sat down. Um, I appreciate just how forthcoming and candid you've been. Um, Thank you very much, have a great, I guess sunshine double. Right? Yeah, thank you very much. It was a it was a, player, a pleasure to be in the podcast. I've been listening to uh, to most of them, so it's uh, really been a pleasure. Thank nice you. Nice man, you made my day. Um, you are released. That's it. All right, let's go. Huge thank you to Wim Facet, and good luck in the desert. We'd like to thank Sergio Tacchini, the official apparel sponsor of Under Review. See what they are doing at SergioTacchini.com. Thank you to Kristen Bartelt for the accommodations in the desert and to our new patron, Christian Jorg. If you've been thinking about becoming a patron of the show, now is the time. Support us and receive cool perks and premium content. Head on over to patreon.com slash underreviewtennis to read all about it. That is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash underreviewtennis. We really appreciate it. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe, rate, and review us. Our email is info at underreviewtennis.com. At UR with CS is our Twitter handle. Underreview Tennis is our Instagram and Facebook. 
And to catch some clips from some of our interviews, check out our YouTube page. Max Loeb edited the show. Our music is by Brian Senti, and Jason Binnick did our mix. We'll be back next time with more of the most interesting voices in the sport. Till then, I'm Craig Shapiro, and you are released.